To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? I got a brand new podcast for you. Um, This is a great episode. Uh, I sit down with the Hawaii guys. They're three of my really good buddies, uh, Sean, Robin, and Janus. We had just got done sharing a week and a half of hunting together. And and, uh, so we've got great insight into spot and stalking and still hunting. and, And so great tips and tactics. A ton of laughs in this one. My stomach hurt the next day. I laughed so hard. Um, you know, you just get hanging out with good friends that you have a good connection with and, and you get ribbing each other or, or making jokes. And, and uh, I just, I had a ton of fun on this podcast. So um, I hope you guys enjoy it half as much as I enjoyed doing it. want to thank the Hawaii guys. Um, they're, they're great guys, but they're also great hunters. Uh, they get so much experience spot and stalking game out in Hawaii. And um, so so they share that and, and share little tricks that they use and, and methods to their madness. And so, um, they, you know, and they're also adventure bow hunters. They're, they're always going on trips or planning their next adventure. In fact, when I fly out here Tuesday to um, Alaska... Um, I'm meeting my good buddy Chase out there and I'm meeting these Hawaii guys and we're going to share another hunt out there. But uh, just super guys, really fun podcast. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, Sponsor for today's show is Yeti Coolers. Yeti has just changed the way I hunt and we use these coolers a ton in Hawaii. Um, That access meet is so good. Um, but it's 80 degrees every day in Hawaii, so you can't hang up meat. It's all got to be kept in coolers, and, and the Yeti coolers just allow you to keep that meat in there longer. It keeps ice longer. They're, they're highly insulated, um, so, so you can keep that meat good until you get home and get it butchered up. Um, you know, also on, on some of these longer expedition hunts that I do where I'm hunting for seven, eight, nine days, I'm able to keep ice that long so I can, I can keep food cold. Um, so that's, that's been a big advantage for me as well. I always like to mention too, that, uh, they're also a bear proof container. So in a lot of the country out West or a lot of the national forest out West, uh, you need to have a bear proof container to store your food to be legal. And, uh, the Yeti cooler, you throw a lock on it and it's a bear proof container for black bears and for grizzly bears. Um, so you meet all rules and regulations when you're camping in the national forest. So, um, that's, that's another great advantage of these Yeti coolers, but, uh, they, they are worth the money. They, they have changed the way I hunt and a great company and just can't thank them enough for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over there at Eastman's, we're all getting excited for our hunts coming up. Um, made our final plans. I'm going to get to to capture a couple of these hunts on film, which I'm really excited about. I just want to put, you know, all this this knowledge I've gained the last couple of years to good use and and uh, try to build a, a next level film and and try to put down some good critters. So I got a really good cameraman lined up. Um, I've got enough time to, to be able to put all my effort into these hunts. And so I'm really excited to, to try to capture some of these. So really looking forward to that. And um, yeah, I got a, a new article to write the other day for Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. And so I'll start working away on that. 
um, I, I always like um, writing. It's where you get to really choose your words carefully and choose your meaning and, and kind of structure your article to, to read exactly how you, how you want it to. Um, so I really enjoy writing. I got some good projects coming up and then just try to work on my photography. I've, I've got uh, good photos, spending a lot of time editing them, and I'm actually going to make an upgrade for this season. So it's, it's always tough to make an upgrade to your camera equipment as it is so expensive, but um, I think I'm going to make it this season and, and try to capture some next level pictures. So uh, I think I'm going to stay with the Sony, uh, but but get uh, the next model up. So I'm really excited about that uh, to see what I can capture behind the lens. And, and um, it's going to be a fun season. Uh, really looking forward to, to seeing what the other Eastman guys uh, turn up. Uh, I was really impressed. I watched Eastman's hunting TV. I watched um, Dan Bacar's hunt, his Wyoming mule deer from 2017. Man, did he do a great job. He's just great in front of the camera. And then his harvest scene where he harvests this buck is so intense and so thrilling. And it, it seems like it lasts for minutes. And, and Dan just plays it right. He's so patient and, and waits and makes all the right moves. Um, but it was a really good episode. Uh, so I really enjoy that. I guess there's going to be, I think um, I was talking to Guy the other day, and he said that they're going to release uh, a, another part of his Wyoming hunt on Beyond the Grid. Um, so Beyond the Grid just doesn't have the the restrictions as, as Hunting TV does. So I'm excited to see what they put together for this. It's going to make for a great episode. And the Beyond, Beyond the Grid... Um, Dan Carr and Guy Eastman have just been doing a great job with that, uh, putting out some really good episodes. So make sure to check that out on YouTube and uh, check out our our Eastman's Hunting TV and, and the magazines. And, and thanks to Eastman's for everything they do for me. I sure appreciate it. So uh, without further ado, let's get this thing rolling. Um, so uh, me and, and my Hawaiian buddies, uh, this is the, the Hawaiian experience is what I'm going to title the podcast. Uh, just a, a really fun one. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm here with the Hawaii guys. I got uh, Janus Padilla. I got Sean Curran. And uh, I got Robin Keane. Um, man, you guys have treated me to an awesome trip. We're just finishing up here uh, like 10 days in Hawaii. Uh, my family's sitting here with me. I think I've hunted about every single day since I've been out here. Um, you guys got just an amazing place out here. It's just been a blast. Yep, another epic adventure, huh? Oh, man, so epic. So we um, started, we got here, and then um, me and Sean and Janus, we took off, and we went to another island. You guys took me to go hunt mouflon sheep in one of your hotspots over yeah, there. Yeah, on Lanai, you know, they have some pretty good public areas over there for bow hunting only, and that was... That was a blast. I'm glad we made it over there. Oh, man, it was awesome. Um, gosh, you guys, uh, you just, you get so proficient at spot and stalking, like, out here. You guys get so many opportunities, and the animals, the critters are so tough to harvest, but um, you, you get so many chances to hunt them and so many opportunities, and so you get a chance to mess up and spook deer here and there and, you know, try to get shots and try to get close. Um but I, I've just noticed like how much it improves, like my spot and stalking game, how much it improves my shooting, how much it improves like my still hunting, like we were just talking about, because you never know when you're going to see an axis. True. Yep. Or yeah. a mouflon like in Lanai. So we went to go hunt your hotspot. Those mouflon sheep, um, 
Where do those things come from? They're just a beautiful animal, like Spain or yeah, something, think, or Corsica, maybe. Corsica, yep. yeah. I think so, I saw like maybe Iran or something when I looked them up on yeah, Google. Could be. Man, just beautiful coloration. I, I think they have them in Spain as well. Yep. Yeah. Um. So I axis deer are some of the most switched on animals I've ever hunted. Mouflon sheep, they're on another planet. It's those it, those things are ridiculous. Their eyesight is antelope plus. <laughs> Yeah. Times 10. I, I, oh, I've hunted antelope in the wide open prairie. They don't hunt candles to the wind to a mouflon, man. Those things are tough. <laughs> They're on alert, man. Their eyeballs are just like, and they got, they got like almost 180 degree vision. Yeah, it was, uh, right. They can see all the way around yeah. your head. They're like the, only a little spot in the back that they can't see, right? Like 300 yeah, degrees. Yeah, like 300, actually, <laughs> yeah, not right. 180. Yeah, uh, that's like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think they can see up close, though. You, you, you had, were saying that. You had an experience where they, they spotted you, no problem. Oh, my but. gosh. I mean, you guys just set me up and took me to all your best spots. Like, it was just an absolute incredible trip. I So many opportunities. And so Sean and Janus took me to their spot for mouflon and then they're just so dialed at hunting them they've been doing it for years well what you you went over there and we ended you ended up shooting two deer <laughs> <laughs> we got right. you got really close mouflon to mouflon, but yeah mouflon honey. yeah you know, I, that was what, oh yeah, yeah. An hour off the boat and you shot a deer oh my gosh yeah it's just crazy well a deer that you spotted like yeah, we, was... so we started the trip and we got over there you guys had got a rig for us and you guys had figured it out so we we went and got the rig and rolled into this spot and we were hunting this this drainage and uh this drainage you guys thought that there may be some mouflon in there is pretty steep drainage and so we got in there and started looking around and yeah instantly we're just walking in i think we kicked up a couple does um Right, Sean, didn't we see like a couple does and then we get up like um right up on the hill and uh I think me and Sean are in front. Yeah. And Janus goes, Psst, psst, hey, there's a buck down there, you know, you had spotted a buck already and we were like ten minutes out of the truck. Yeah, well we were we crossed that field and the field was like chest high dead grass. I'm just like, dude, something's gonna blow out of here. It's like there's no being quiet in there. <laughs> and we get right across the other side and they hear a noise behind us that just didn't sound like the wind and i look back and this tree in the middle of the grass is shaking a little bit and and i look around nothing else is shaking so i glass i just see the tips of his velvet antlers sticking up there holy freaking buck right there that was like we just walked by it like 50 yards and i I can't believe it didn't blow out of there yeah the wind is why the wind was kind of strong and when those does blew out of there i bet that buck didn't even hear those does run away plus the the grass was so high it probably muffled it yep it does so it was ju- it was actually standing on its hind leg feeding off the top of the tree and that's why the tree was shaking because you couldn't even see it unless it stood on its hind legs to eat and then you saw the top half of the animal which was pr- part yeah. of the most the, the incredible way, shot the I've ever seen the only way Brian would have harvested that buck was by standing on its hind legs yeah <laughs> like there's no way you could barely see the top of his horns that's what's uh, wild. In that tall grass. <laughs> yeah, you guys have so many different habitats. Like your your thicks in the in the trees in there, and then like a lot of your grass is eaten down by cattle, or it may be dry and doesn't grow as high. And then some of it is yeah, like almost over your head. 
Jurassic Park grass, you know, and that's what that buck was in. And you spotted him like lifting up and feeding on that tree. And uh, so, you you know, you guys gave me the first shot and he said, Brian, I'll sneak down there and get a play on that thing. And so I rushed down the hill. I think you got the whole thing on video. I yeah. got to get the video yeah, Sean, from you did. so I can post it up. Pretty phenomenal. Oh, man. And so shot, that, for sure. that buck stood up. I got in range and the buck stood up to feed on that tree and I drew back. And the minute I drew back and started settling my pin, he'd, he'd go back down and then you couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'd hold my draw and then I let down and then he stood up again. And so I drew twice on him like that and he just wouldn't stay up long enough for me to get the shot. And um, you can hear your guys' commentating in the background <laughs> as your guys giving me advice from 50 yards up the hill. Is, oh, you got to hold your draw, you know, and that's exactly what I had to do is yeah. I had to kind of read that buck and kind of time it. And then I drew back and yeah, that buck came up and, you know, my pin settled real quick and able to put a really good shot on him. He and had he, what, like one and a half seconds, two seconds? Yeah, maybe? he was only on his feet for two to three seconds yeah. max. Yeah, I mean pretty impressive yeah, but you wild. could you could tell when he was gonna you know stand up because he'd, he'd lift his nose up in the air and you kind of see the rack tilt back a little bit and then then you knew he was he was on his way up and i think you timed it perfectly yeah finally there that third time yeah he stood <laughs> up and i had my pin right on the spot where he was supposed to stand up and it settled quick and the shot bucked and hit him good and he hit him and then we gave him a good time too like an hour and there was actually more axis in that that valley than there was um, mouflon. We started playing around in there yeah. on axis and spotting axis and things, and then um, we gave that buck some time. Went to go look for him, and the blood trail wasn't that good. I um, see. Did I just get an entrance, or did I get an exit on that buck? I'm trying to remember. I think I just got an entrance. I just got yeah. an entrance, but it was right in the spot. Like yeah. you couldn't have walked up and placed that arrow any oh, better. Perfect. But the grass was so tall, like you guys were saying, like it. It was fine. It was tough to find that blood, and and Janus, you picked up blood, and then uh, we're looking around, and the blood trail is really tough. And me and Sean are trying to track it down there, and we had been working it for a while. And then Janus comes out and puts his hands up and goes, "Oh, I got your buck. He's up here in the tree." And you'd found him up there in the tree, which was, you know, it's a tough one to find. Yeah, yeah, I mean, circle around the outskirts, you know, and trying to mm-hmm. find blood on the outside of the thick grass, you know, where it exits. If I couldn't, well, believe we thought he, he ran. Him. The other way is why. Yeah. So we were kind of, we were going down below, looking all through the grass. Yeah. You know, not seeing much or stumbling across him. Yeah. Yeah, right. And Janus went on the complete opposite side where we were looking. And we were just about to give up. I mean, we were looking for a good hour. Yeah. They're hardy animals. Man. It's amazing they can survive a shot like that. I mean. Yeah. And run as far as they do. Yeah. Would he run about 120 yards or so? I mean, you shoot me with yards. a field point, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> that was a practice tip. <laughs> yeah, no, they are a tough animal. So, yeah, we uh, you found that one. We got that butchered and, and back in. And then, yeah, we were back trying to find mouflon. And those things like um, Corsica, or they're just a beautiful sheep. And, I, like, I have always dreamed of hunting sheep. I've been applying for dang near 20 years in, yeah. in multiple western states. And to be able to come out here and have you guys share that with me and go get to hunt mouflon sheep was just wild. And they're beautiful. So they kind of curl back in towards themselves. They've got, like, white patches on their face, um, like a tan body. And, and uh, but, w- but we went to your spot, and we started seeing ewes. And then um, 
I don't think um, me and Janus saw a ram the first night. Me Sean, and Janus, we kind of hunted down, and Sean grabbed another vantage point, and he saw a couple rams, yeah. right? Yeah, pop out right uh, right before dark. Um, that's kind of how those things are. You, you're not really going to see them until about half hour before dark, maybe an hour before dark mm-hmm. at the most, and then they're going to start popping out and grazing. But they're uh, they're a wily animal, man. They They know <laughs> not to put themselves in a position of vulnerability so it's it's a huge challenge to try and get one of those on the ground oh man and sure. you guys have some nice rams down and um i don't yeah well, <laughs> they're, they're, my, they're my nemesis <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say your nemesis and um you're a heck of a hunter and you've been over there and had multiple close calls uh, and um just can't come together uh, between my cam hitting my knees oh that's in right. a weird position and shooting five feet over the back and 35 yards or so so what happened on that one it was a nice ram and you had him walking at you uh first day first 20 minutes of uh public land hunting and had i don't even know 15 nice rams feeding towards me oh, wow good wind like i i thought my hunt was over i thought i was tagged out like done <laughs> and uh but i was sitting on a steep hillside super weird position and nothing you could ever practice but drew back put my pin on him fired and arrow just flung five feet over the back of the one i was aiming at i had no idea what had happened like what i thought my bow blew up or something and uh the way i was sitting my cam hit my knee as it came forward and pop the bow up no shit that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense though you don't even think about that oh i i still to this day i don't think i could have prevented it i don't yeah, think I, mean, I would think that my knee's gonna hit my cam from that position until it happens until it happens yeah I, I i practiced that shot one time on a target you know just a practice target you know bending down and uh sure enough my cam hit my knee and i was like wow Okay. Yeah, it's good to know. I like, you know you yeah. don't really think about that, but that thing actually gets bigger as it goes down. It you know, just you don't sucks leave that it, clearance it happened to Robin in the field on a monster ram. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there, it was comedy of errors that trip. I mean, there were five legitimate dead rams on the ground. Should have been. And, I mean, anywhere from turkeys blowing up my stock to <laughs> – uh, I mean, hitting a ram, <laughs> stalking a ram that I thought would be at 20 yards and popping up full draw, and he's at four yards, eyeball to eyeball with him <laughs> at full draw. And he turns and runs, and I punch my trigger and, you know, hear the, like, oh, I smoked him. And he's running off. I'm glassing him, and my arrow's sticking out of his horn. <laughs> I hate those animals. Trophy. Well, stuff stuff happens quick, and it's yeah. wild. Um, like, you, you practice so much, and you think of scenarios, and you try to get yourself ready, but there's nothing that conditions you for shooting at animals like shooting at animals. Right, exactly. Like, it's a different deal, and we all love to hunt so much. And so you get pumped up and I don't like, it's tough to get a hold of yourself and make sure you're settling your pen. And there's so many nuances to making a quality shot on an animal, but yeah, it's just different than holding on a point of a target. And so, you know, like you said, I've had that reaction before when the animal goes and my trigger goes off and my shot breaks. Like it's just almost panic that he's leaving and you're not going to get the shot (laughs) and you're not even thinking about it. Like it's four yards on the animal. Like I I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) I was as scared as he was. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's wild in it. Um, Like getting so many opportunities out here is, is, 
you know, it's made me better at my shot too. It's just, man, it's really holding that pin and it's cliche to say pick a spot, but it really is like trying to hit a spot on that animal. Cause if you're just aiming for body, like it seems like bad things are going to happen. You're not as precise. You're going to miss something, you know, it's not going to go right. And so it is just really like sometimes even at full draw, like I have to take a deep breath and like, okay, and just really wait for my pin to be where I want it because that's the only place my arrow is going to go is where my pin is and not like, uh, you know, also it was like this conscious decision of mine to like, you got to keep that pin on that animal, like put it where you want it and try to hold it there. Don't let it settle low and then try to bring it, you know, you hold that pin right where you want it, you know, and execute that shot. But I, I just learned so much, like, getting those opportunities over here and getting so many shots at critters. Like, you really learn from that. It's yeah. tough. Yeah, taking that deep breath, like you said, is has helped me quite a bit. I've been doing that a lot mm-hmm. lately, and it really has improved my shooting on uh, animals. And uh, basically, you know, when you, you have that shot, even if you take a deep breath before, before you draw back yes because a lot of the times when you're drawing back you're not thinking about taking that deep breath and i Mm-mm. forget to take that deep breath mm-hmm. so i try to at least you know calm myself down by taking a couple deep breaths when i know i'm you know i'm gonna draw back and take that shot and it really helps calm yeah, down that's me too yeah, yeah i like those deep breaths like before mm-hmm. you shoot or like when you draw back yeah. and it's just it's your like, heart's racing you yeah know? <laughs> well and it's it's like this mindset too that you know i don't want to miss animals like that messes with my psyche i don't want to make a bad shot and so like for me it's you know i'm either going to make a good shot and kill this animal or i'm not going to shoot if the wind's blowing me around i'm not going to punch my shot off at this random blow by an animal i'm going to make sure my pin's holding on there and it just seems like when i draw back on animals my aiming is so erratic at first Mm -hmm. and then it kind of tightens up and starts holding in the spot and that's when my shot needs to go so even if i take three four five seconds for my shot to break i'm either going to hit that animal perfect and if he walks out of my life and i don't get the shot well so be it but i'm not going to force a shot and shoot one over his back or miss that doesn't do yeah. or do me any good you know yeah. what I mean? it's it, it takes practice you know and you got to be willing to let the animal go you got to be willing to not yeah i mean the animal is going to live which is awesome yeah. you know but the worst thing to do is shoot something in the guts you know or know that there's an animal out there hurting and you know you the, you wasted the meat and you took a life for no reason. Yeah, you know, it's like there's no worse feeling for me. Yeah, yeah. man, I'm with you. Yeah, that is yeah. the the worst feeling, and it, it can mess with you for your entire hunt or entire months or the entire year. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you, that's the one hunt that you think yeah. back on is that one time you made that mistake and punched that shot that you didn't want and hit it bad and lost it or you know whatever the case is. But yeah, yeah I um, and then I learned another lesson uh, missing my mouflon. So I did get a chance. Those things. Like, I can't even describe how switched on and how good their eyesight is. It is incredible. Like, I find the small subspecies of animals, like the coos whitetail is the smallest whitetail deer. Those deer are so switched on. Well, the mouflon are like this tiny sheep that are just so switched on. They're constantly looking for predators. And there's you guys don't even have any predators <laughs> out <don't>. here. <laughs> Besides I, us. They get hunted hard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But, um, yeah, they're really switched on looking for you. And so we had some close encounters. You guys set me up on some awesome stocks on just yeah, some let's, beautiful let's rams. Let's that story. So yeah. we, we saw those – I saw those rams maybe 15 minutes to last light, and they're about 500 yards away, and you had to cross a little ravine to get to them. And Brian's like, I think I can make it. I think I can make it. You know, 
by running over there and getting to them, well, first of all, they're probably going to see you, you know, <laughs> start running they're over there to try and get you. them. Yeah, they're already seeing us on the, <laughs> on the spying glass in them. They already got us pinned. But um, so I was like, no, you know, let's let's leave them alone and let's get back here, crack a light in the morning, and they might still be there, you know. That's the only rams we saw, and I think we were glassing for about an hour and a half, two yep. hours mm -hmm. before dark. And so uh, the next morning, we woke up early, and we packed in, and you stayed high, and did both of you? Yeah, no, both no. of you guys stayed high. Yeah, well, I went I, solo, and I then was you with guys you. went down. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, that's right. Your yeah. Janus was with me, and um, Brian came from the top, and me and Janus went down to that same ridge and glassed that, that plateau, that flats, and sure enough, there was no rams. Um, a lot of the sheep were uh, on the, the walls already of the, the gulch. And and basically, we told Brian, hey, you know, we're not seeing any rams. How are you doing? He's like, oh, I've, I've got a couple spotted up here. But you're like, but I'm almost to you guys. And I was like, keep eyes on those rams. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Get back up there well, wherever well, you got to go. Well, they were way across. Not, like, yeah. they were a tough go for it. Yeah, and yeah. when way on the other yeah. side. And and Janus had told me before, like, I had seen some over there, but it was a big go for it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I kept hunting down to you guys. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. then instantly said, Because it's hey. not like there's a lot of them yeah. around. You know what I mean? Yeah, so if you see one ram or something, just... The, you got to make a play on it if it's you know worth right worth making a play oh on. and they were they were just two beautiful rams so yeah you guys got back to me and said yeah keep eyes on those rams we'll meet you at your spot mm. and so then you guys walked up and met me and i had eyes on those things and you guys instantly just sent me on the stock on those things which was just so cool what an opportunity just to be able to stock sheep and then to get over there and then make a play on those things. And they, I guess they had just moved right as I showed up. Like, what was the timing of that deal? So it was ridiculous. They were bedded down in the perfect plateau for you. And you're right on top of them about I don't know, 80 yards above them. And you're slowly making your way down into this ravine and, you know, down this little sand chute. And you could, it looked from our vantage point that you could pop up on this little plateau at the, the bottom of the sand chute and they're literally going to be 40 yards below you perfect i mean you, you'll see one of the two because they're both bedded kind of with some brush behind them in two different areas but it's almost like a guarantee you're going to see one of them from you know is being up above looking yep. down on them and as soon as you got down that sand chute and you're just about to pop up they stood up and they started walking towards a steeper section of the ravine and i just tell janus this can't be happening right now like <laughs> i mean believe basically it. you you glass you glass <laughs> them you glass them at the crack of light and they're over there for about two to three hours before you even went to make the play on them and they're in the, that spot the the whole time and then as soon as you're 50 yards just about to pop out pop over and smoke one at 40 yards they get up and slowly it's, it's like they got a sixth sense that they know you're coming <laughs> for they them did. and they there's no way presence. they've seen you yeah and the wind was on great. the other side of the gulch yeah wind was great yeah the approach was great like everything was perfect the rams just like sixth sense like yeah. you say yeah and it was a good thing you animals. had cell phone. Uh, oh, I can I see why. I, I love them and hate them. I, that's like me. Yeah. They're so it, challenging. It was yeah. unbelievable. I was yeah. absolutely crushed. I was like, you can't, I cannot believe that they're and, walking away right now. And Brian's just getting in a position. And they walked away and they walked away over this little hump to where there's no way you could see them. So I'm like trying to blow up your phone and you're not answering. And I'm like calling, calling, calling. And then finally he called me back a couple minutes later, you know, or 
what's up? And I'm like, they walked over this little hump and I don't think you could have got to where they went. So basically, I think they might have, uh, the wind, I think they they walked over and up a little bit and the wind might have bounced off that wall and I think they got a little scent of you or something because they uh, they just bolted out of that spot. Yep, I mean, the, so their fast. second bed there, I made an approach on them there and I was getting really close to them and I think you're right. Like I was trying to cheat the wind the way the terrain was mm-hmm. and I really had no other approach. That was the only way I could come in and um, yeah, busted them by the wind and then they showed up down below me and that ram, he, he ran like, they had to be like maybe 50 yards below me or something. And they ran and, and just ran to where I could see him. And I started to get excited and I didn't move a muscle. And that ram looked right up at me and saw me, looked right into my eyes and went, nope, <laughs> just out of there. And like, I can't believe how well those things could pick you out. Like they're, uh, every species I've hunted, if you hold still, they don't see you. If you hold still with a mouflon, man, he's got you. He's got you pegged. Unbelievable. Like, I, I don't know what you need you for those You could have things. the predators camouflage and he'll still pick you out. Well, you, might as, you might as well just wear a blaze orange. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, no kidding. You're going to yeah. see the whites of your eyes. Well, yeah. you know what was really cool is that almost every hunt, every stock that you made over there, me and Sean were on the other side. We had like, it was like, you know, watching a hunting show. We were watching you do the whole thing. Like, we could see you the entire time. Uh-huh. We could see the animal. And it was really cool watching you go in after everything. Oh, it's such, everything. An, such an asset to have spot, spotters like that. And then, you know, to be able to give you signals and yeah. tell you where to go. And, you know, gosh, it, it makes it makes stalking like um, it, it turns low percentage into high percentage because you've got somebody that keeps an eye on them the whole time. You and know? it's yeah. just cool to watch, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, if there's a buck over here i'd be like i almost want to sit here and watch you instead yeah. you it's know super it's super cool really... but heartbreaking at the same time yeah you know, it is. and it's just oh, so man. close my heart was racing when you were trying to <laughs> yeah, shoot that Janus was freaking out i was like, and I was like <laughs> i'm like this is fucking cool <laughs> 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 yeah so we um the hunting was just amazing down there so i dropped into the bottom and um, man, it was just spirit world. It's one of the coolest experiences I've had in my life. And well, until you know, like the last couple of days have been unreal too. But down there in that forest, like um, I don't hunt a lot of thick timber and stuff. Like a lot of times, I hunt animals when they're coming into their feeding features. But you know, I, I grew up hunting Western Washington. That was thick brush and underbrush where you had to kind of still hunt through places. So it kind of feels like, in a way, I'm back to my roots. And so then I'm solo down in this bottom and I hunt my way out of this thing. And um, that bottom, it had this forest and this top canopy. It, I, I mean, it, it just felt so cool to walk out, you know, all the all the way out down to the bottom down there. But just hunt my way through and just full of animals like like Jadis told me it would be, you know. And um, I, I got down in there and caught up with a buck and was able to put a good arrow in him in that bottom. And it's just so cool processing that thing and. Uh, just being down in there is just an amazing experience. And then I did, I did miss a mouflon down in there. I got a chance at a herd, and there it had a, um, a ram in it. It was like a five eighths curl, like a really good heavy one that curled inside. And I got a shot at him. And again, it's like that shot sequence. Like I almost tried to tuck the arrow in too tight of a spot. Like I tried to force the shot. Like those things are so switched on, and the critters are moving up and. Like then Did there's this ram and um 
I don't think they knew I was there. No, I don't think. Well, no, I take that back. So as I crept down, a doe and a fawn worked into me, mm-hmm. a doe and a fawn um, axis deer. Mm-hmm. And then these mouflon were on the side hill. Well, the doe and the fawn caught my wind because they got by me. Mm-hmm. And then they came by the mouflon. So now the mouflon are on edge. Mm-hmm. So now they're not. You know, they don't know I'm there, but they're definitely on edge. And yeah. and then that ram popped out, and I thought I could get it through there. Like, I really thought I had a window to his vitals and a good shot. And it, it, there's just limbs around and brush, and you're trying to get it in there. And I saw my window, executed my shot, and I hit, like, a stick going in and, and went in the front of him, missed him clean, which, thank goodness. Um, uh, but, but, yeah, he ran off. So I did get my chance at a mouflon, and I, I missed him down there trying to force that shot in there. But yeah. that's another thing when you're trying to get shots is trying to force it in too tight of a window. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just doesn't leave much margin for error. Like, you really want, like, the biggest, like, a broadside animal, yeah. even quartering away. Like, don't try to cut that angle too tight because you just don't have enough like there isn't enough room for air there. You got to make such a precise shot that I just think you you just wait and wait for that right opportunity and don't try to force it through the sticks or the limbs or the the grass or whatever it is. Don't you guys find that too? Sometimes you try to force shots in too tight of a window. Yep. I missed a huge buck earlier this year, monster, and uh, yeah, um, seventeen yards and thought I could thread the needle, mm-hmm. and I. Sh- yeah, patient patience <laughs> like is like is huge. Yeah, um, yeah. I I should have waited. I had five minutes, not even two minutes. He would have stepped out. Yep. Problem uh, is, is the wind, and they're so turned on that you never know. And if you have that opportunity, you have to take it. Well, that's true too. And um, those axis steer, like it is a fine line, right, between trying to force an arrow and seizing an opportunity. Like those bucks, you can't let those opportunities slip between your fingers because it's the only chance you're going to get. And not to say that you force shots, but like even like today, like me and Janice, like I'm jumping forward a little bit, but we had a buck. And and last year I had a buck with Sean that I was at full draw. I don't know how many times and I couldn't get that buck to stop. Right. And so I just like a lot of times I let them just I like to let them stop on their own. Like if I'm hunting a big muley buck, like I I like to let him stop and then I'll try to make my shot. But Axis, they're in and out of the brush. And so we had this great buck that that I never got the shot at because I didn't stop him. And so today me and Janus, we had a really good buck and he came right in front of us. And and yeah, we stopped him and we gave him the buck. But and finally we're like but just trying to get him to stop as I was at full draw and I had a good range on him and then it took me a while for the shot to break like Dude. I say I settled Dude. my shot my pin settled right in the spot shot broke arrows coming in perfect but as soon as that arrow left my bow that axis was out of the way of that thing uh, before <laughs> your arrow left the bow that, oh. that thing's ass was on the ground like, he was moving like the road runner yeah he was out of the way of my arrow <laughs> yeah. before it got there I think but he saw your arrow coming at him yeah oh man right matrix it i think you're right he he did matrix it he was just fast oh but it is about seizing opportunities though and you can't let too many of those opportunities slip between your fingers like you got to be ready for your opportunity when it happens you know it you can see the spot you need to hit you have a clear shooting lane at it and that's the time you need to stop that buck or you need to execute that shot and if you wait too long like he may walk back in but it is seizing that moment Without trying to force it, it's just a fine yeah, line. Yeah, that on that on that big buck, I f- tried to force it, and I was shooting the wrong broadhead. I, I, 
think I should have been shooting a fixed blade, and I had a mechanical, mm -hmm. and that mechanical clipped a limb and mm -hmm. opened up, and I slapped that buck on the back. With your fletchings? With the fletchings. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah. There was no broadhead hitting that buck. I mean, he was like, what just happened? Yep. So you carry different broadheads in your quiver for different scenarios, yeah, right? I do. Uh, hunting thick grass, I'll grab a fixed blade, and um, I, I should whack them. Uh, fixed blade and you were saying like um you think a fixed blade gets through the grass and gets through the brush better than an expandable because an expandable that blade will start to open and kick it and not that an expandable isn't effective they're oh. highly effective broadheads and what if I, I shoot have a, if i have a wide open shot or yeah i'm i'm shooting a, a yep. rage at them and putting a big hole in them yep and uh and then yeah fixed blade thick grass or a longer shot i like a fixed blade too just so getting a little less penetration, that fixed okay. blade is going to go in and the expandable needs to open up. I think you'll get more penetration with a fixed blade. So 60, 70 yards, I'm going to grab the fixed blade. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I kind of use um, – I carry different broadheads as well, like um, same company. But, uh, yeah, I'll use um, – you know, I'll use an expandable four blade or a three blade or whatever it is for the majority of my shots. But I've got a couple in the backside of my quiver – and I've even used the two-blade expandable. Like, I really like it. But that two-blade expandable is so aerodynamic that if I have a longer shot, I'll pull one of those out of my no, quiver because I just know that they don't wind drift that much no. and they fly so good that I'll shoot those at longer ranges. Interesting. Yeah, yeah we have different theories on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I just think I'm going to get better penetration. It makes sense, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yeah. totally makes sense. Different techniques. Yep. So okay, so well, yeah, we finish up. I got a buck. Like um, jumping but, back on that, yeah, that well, buck with. Uh, okay, so the year before, yes, uh, I was telling you you should have stopped that buck. Um, what I noticed with that incident was that when if you didn't stop that buck, you only had one window, and then that buck was just in the, the scrub brush, and there's no way you're gonna get another shot. And I think we had like 20 minutes till dark or something like that. Yep. So. Jumping forward to this year, you had that same opportunity where it's like, here's your window. You need to stop them in this window or that buck is going to be in the thick brush gone. And you're not going to get another shot at him. Now, if you've seen another opening somewhere down the, the line, then yes, you, you, you know, try to reposition and you know he's coming out at that other opening and you don't have to stop him. You can get another play that way, which is always more effective. But yeah, and then so you you barked at him, you stopped, and basically you got to aim low. When they're on alert, they see you, they know that arrow's coming. They are gonna kiss that ground so quick, you won't even believe. I've seen guys shoot 40, 50 yards at does on alert, and that doe was out of there before the arrow even got yep. to got to where it was, mm -hmm. and it is just incredible. Bigger bucks, you know, gonna take a little bit more time because they're bigger. But, uh, yeah, they definitely kissed the ground. And I think um, Dan Picar, you know, the other Eastman boy, came out with that good Hawaii video on YouTube mm -hmm. about how he aims low um, when these bucks are, you know, these axis deer are on alert. 
Mm-hmm. Aim and, for the uh, drop, right? Yeah, aim for the drop. Yep. And I don't know. I think Dan just shot low and made it sound like he did that. <laughs> 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 just got him a little bit on the podcast. It's good for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and like you say, when it all works out, you you made the perfect move. You're the hero. When it doesn't work out, you play hindsight. Oh and it, my god. It's easy. Like even me and Janice were saying today, mm. well, we stopped that buck and made that shot, and it felt right at the time. But he jumped my mm. string, and we thought. Oh, he didn't even know we were here. If we yeah. just would have let him walk, and then yeah. we would have keep playing the game and keep stocking up on him. Well, if it doesn't work out, you always should have done the opposite of yeah. what you did. You know, <laughs> but, it's like, but experience. You know, yeah. The more the more you get that kind of shot opportunity, and you see how these deer react when they're on alert compared to not on alert. It's like, yeah, they're they're kissing the ground, and they're they're Jeff definitely jumping your stream. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. Um, like quick story you know from this you know a couple of days ago when we were hunting i was janus's pack no 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 <laughs> i was That's uh a good story. i was i was 10 yards on a buck medium-sized buck nice buck and i was trying to get past them to get to this big screamer that i heard in this this uh valley um probably 100 yards away and he didn't know i was there but my backpack clipped just nicked a branch and it made a weird sound like just a weird click sound you know something a lot different than the nature sound and this buck flinched like it was pretty cool he kept eating but he just flinched like and i was like wow that was pretty nuts and i took a step and then i made a little another crunch and he flinched again and i was like wow they are so <laughs> skitzy. They are so skitzy. But he was just munching away. But just some kind of noise that they're not used to, or yeah, watching that buck flinch. Was, I won't stop an axis. Was deer. pretty incredible. Okay. I I I won't make a noise because okay. I I think they're so turned on as it is that noise of the arrow could just get them to drop on you or anything else. You give them that extra two second three second notice they're turned on that much more and i i just won't do it i'll do it with goats i'll do it with pigs but no way with okay yeah that's interesting yep um yeah definitely like um you you just learn from it like i'm the same way like i don't like to stop deer but you know i'll stop elk i'll give them a cow mew when they step yeah, into the open target is this big yeah no well, it's a different deal very fast either they, nope. they can't jump or no, can they? I mean, I they don't really jump as strength. No, yeah. absolutely not. No, I know the they stags, usually wait I, on the I, air. I have video of the red stag jumping my string. Yeah. Oh man! But no, and that's what's so fun is to hunt behind you guys or hunt with you guys out here and try to soak in that experience because yeah. you guys do have so much experience hunting these axes and you know them so well. And, and then we just, I mean, you guys had me time the rut. Um, just perfect and a, a little bit of luck of showing up at the right time. But, oh, my gosh, did we have amazing hunting. So we, we finished up. Like, I went down in the bottom. I ended up killing a nice buck. And then, Janice, you got a stock on a big ram. You got pretty close, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I, I had a scary stock. <laughs> <laughs> so you dropped down after this ram, right? And then it kind of got – you got into a cliffy spot down in there, yeah. something steep spot. Yeah, Sean came run. I was I was out of there, and Sean came run. Yeah, there's, we're, there's, there's a ram right there, from right yeah. below us. We were like, glassing oh, this little pocket for a while and didn't see anything. So James is like, all right, let, you know, let's head down. You can start glassing some other spots. I'm like, all right. I'm like, you know, what? I I swear I had a I had this little hint of smell coming up this little tiny drainage, and I was like, I I, I swear I smell something. 
So I just went to the, I walked about 10 feet out on this ledge, a little bit more, and I looked down, and there was a great ram right oh, below at about 200 yards. Uh, maybe about, no, about 100 yards below. And um, so Janus was already out of there. So I had to climb up, I don't know, 25, 30 feet, get onto the ridge, and call Janus back. And when I got up there, he was. Yeah, because you didn't even have your bow. No. I had my bow strapped to my pack, He's and I went and looked over. I was like, oh, shit. It was, it was real close to where I had missed up a ram the year before. And, I mean, it's pretty steep. Like, there's really one spot you can get down, which was on the other side of him. And I think what happened is I just, you know, I took the wrong route, and I went down. I thought it was the right ridge, but it was one more ridge over. And I got down there, and. I got pretty cliffed out pretty fast, and I thought I could make it, so I dropped down this one little ravine, and I got to a point where, like, I couldn't go back up, and I had to go down, and I'm looking down, and, like, I'm, like, hugging the cliff with my fingernails, looking down. I had to slide my pack off and drop it down about eight feet to uh, to a little ledge below, so I, I grabbed it by the the bottom strap you know which was the longest strap and i kind of opened it up a little bit and i reached down as far as i can because my bow was strapped to the pack and i flipped it up and what i didn't realize is like the top of my pack was open because i because i had the, the tripod in there earlier which i pulled out and when i flipped it up i watched just my water bottle and my granola bar and my <laughs> everything just come flying out of my pack and just freaking go bouncing across the rock. And this ram is like maybe 60 yards below me over this ridge. <laughs> and I, I watch in slow motion this my water bottle just bounce off the cliff and just go off another cliff, off another cliff, and just explode at the bottom, like 30 <laughs> yards from the ram. I'm just like, no! I, could, I can't believe he didn't spook. Like, he didn't he's spook. used to rocks falling on yeah. his head all yeah. day. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, that wasn't even the scariest part. I, I I put myself in less than safe, you know, situations sometimes, but that was by far, you know, Sean's always telling me, like, bro, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. At that point, I'm like, dude, this is this is really not worth it because I was, you know, there was a part where my stomach dropped and I was. And if you're scared because your family, I mean, we call your brother a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Ian is a little monkey. Yeah, he can climb. And uh, the first time I met you, because I played soccer with your brother when I was like seven. Yeah. Go to your house and you're hanging from a tree limb on a mango tree like 30 feet in the air yeah that's the padillas yeah we like, grew you up are <laughs> like you I, I won't go anywhere near and i'm not scared of heights but anywhere near what you guys go down if you were scared that was gnarly no stuff. it was it was like it was eye-opening to realize like you know this yeah you know, i could really die right here because if i would have slipped and all the rocks on lanai are not like you know they're not they're hard. Not it's like, it's more yeah. like clay with little rocks stuck in it. Right so you're there, like, yeah. yeah. So I was stuck on this cliff and I couldn't go back up, which was the kind of the scary part, because I'm looking down and I didn't even know if I could make it the rest of the way down. So I, I I I don't know how I did it, but I was scared because if I fell to the bottom, you know, there's not good cell service. Sean could barely see me, 
So it's like I would have seen you doing cartwheels on the way. Yeah, to the and it was yeah. just like I, f- it was, I finally it made been, it to the it bottom, was, and it was just a bad situation. For sure. So you I didn't mean, kill the ram. I didn't even kill the ram. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but talk about that. So you got to the bottom. Yeah, I mean, usually and the, the wind, wind is usually good. Yeah, the wind is great up top. And what I didn't realize is because last time I was down there the year before, I had good wind. But this time it was weird. The wind was just swirling on the sides of the ravine. I had that and, too. Yeah, and the yep. middle was, was pretty decent. But on the sides, it was real swirly. So... I get down there, and and right as I get to the bottom again, you know, right as I get there, the ram goes over this little berm, and I can't see him. He would have been at, you know, 30 yards. Yeah, that's another incident, Brian, just like your ram. or His ram was perfectly grazing in this plateau that was 20 yards by 20 yards. Perfect. I mean, by himself. No other sheep around. And here goes Jane is scaling this cliff to get down there to him. And as soon as he gets to the bottom, this ram drops a ledge, and, and he see can't him. see him. As soon as he gets to the bottom, they like know. he would have been twenty yards. Well, he dropped a water bottle on his head. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be what what kind of pushed him down. Who knows? I mean, in mm-hmm. hindsight, is great because what I probably should have done is just sat there and waited for him to work his way back around, mm-hmm. which he probably would have done. Because when I looked over, you really couldn't go anywhere from where he went. He would have worked his way around, but. I was like, all right, I'll sneak right up this this cliff right here, and he'll be right below me. But sneaking up there, you know, I got about 10 yards away, and they they winded me and blew out of there. And my heart sunk because I was stuck at the bottom, and <laughs> I just freaking almost died. <laughs> and I didn't get the ram. You didn't get the ram. <laughs> but I was happy to be alive because I was, I mean, and then to get to the bottom, I had to go over this, this other part. And I was just like, this is freaking ridiculous it's not <laughs> worth it should have listened to sean <laughs> yeah it's tough you got to make smart smart decisions when that adrenaline's pumping and not push it too far past your comfort level and yeah it's steep country you know in and through there but gosh you just like even if it takes like hiking all the way back up that thing mm-hmm. you just it isn't worth it to put yourself in that kind of safety danger safety first you yeah think about man your and family i've, I've and... been in yeah i've been in that situation yeah. too where i pushed it yeah. a little too far but um yeah, just uh, amazing opportunities out there. We had fun, chased those things around for a little bit. You know, well, that it came was out. great. We had a oh, blast. Yeah. I wish Robin could have made it. But yeah, came time. back, yeah. and we actually got uh, you got us here at, like a close spot, one of your close secret deer spots, and then um, Sean, you killed a really nice buck in there. Yeah. Robin, you killed a really nice buck in there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, rattled one in a couple weeks. Oh ago. wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and I, you said that's the next level. Like I haven't rattled one in yet, even though I experienced the most amazing rut and them calling and fighting. But you said rattling in is pretty thrilling. It's it's about as close as I could get to elk hunting <laughs> in June. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've it, rattled three bucks in. Yeah, uh, two last year and then this one this year, and man, it's a rush. Mm-hmm. But what what I've learned and uh, this is kind of a, a secret is. The does need to come in first. Mm-hmm. You're not going to rattle a buck in. And I, I, after rattling in this last buck, I think your theory of elk hunting kind of definitely applies to axis deer as well, is you are going to pull in a satellite buck and not the main herd buck by rattling. That main herd buck is not going to come in. Same thing with elk. You're letting them know and kind of putting them on alert 
and you're pulling other animals in mm-hmm. most but times most times yeah. i mean you, you yeah you mm-hmm. may shoot the giant mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the three i've shot are all satellites mm-hmm. you know t- respectable box nice box i'm stoked on them mm-hmm. but not going to be the giant mm-hmm. yeah interesting I, I told brian from day one when he came over here a couple of years ago our access deer hunting is a lot like elk hunting very much mm-hmm. so a lot like elk hunting oh absolutely They're herd oh, animals i am in love with those animals one of my favorite animals to hunt i mean uh the experience that i've had and then like um their racks are so killer and those spotted hides are just so awesome and so uh we've all been keeping our hides i kept a couple and james you're gonna tan them for me like you've been tanning hides lately you and your girl have and like um so you're gonna tan those couple for me and then you're um you're selling some too right yeah you know actually my we started tanning them i don't know why i didn't think about it before but they're so beautiful it's just one more part of the animal you can use and uh my wife actually started a tanning service over here, uh, SkinTypeMaui.com. You know, if anyone's out in Hawaii and they want to have something tanned, you know. Mm-hmm. Or she, they can, like, uh, buy a hide, Or, too, or right? they can buy a hide, one yeah. Of, one of the extras that we yeah. had, yeah. and no, dough we, or a buck. Or, we yeah. get a lot. We have to cape every animal that we shoot now. <laughs> James <laughs> doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, find, uh-huh. I find myself My, looking at the hide more than the animals. <laughs> I was just like, I don't care beautiful. if you're 10 miles deep in the thickest jungle ever. <laughs> You better keep that animal. First if question not. you're going to get is, did you keep the hide? Where's the hide? It's true. I, I packed the hide all the way out of that canyon from yeah. that buck I shot, yeah. but I had his head chopped off, and the first thing Janus told me is, because where's the hide, bro? I was impressed. I, I did not expect you to carry the hide out of that thing. That was a trek. Because I, I was about, I hiked about two-thirds of the way you did, and I was just a mission. But yeah, I mean, they're just they're just such beautiful animals and the hides just i think it's one of the most beautiful hides of any animal around well and i think it'd be cool like i you know to be honest i haven't really taken advantage of that part of the animal like you're saying and i haven't done my hides and you do them yourself and taught yourself how to tan them but even like elk or deer hides are awesome but like you're saying those axis deer hides have got to be the the prettiest hide out there like over the couch or a throw rug or whatever it is but man i i can't wait to get this couple you're doing for me um just uh, amazing animals and like i just um there's there's something surreal like when you're in that timber when you're out there and you see that spotted buck and then he's got that rack of horn they're just an amazing animal i just uh Mm -hmm. i've fallen in love with hunting those things it's just incredible and the they're so tough and i think the challenge is what like kind of grabs a hold of you like to shoot a 30 inch buck is a giant challenge with your bow like um uh it, it it's just amazing i i love the whole deal about it and so we finished out lanai had just a super trip um uh, can't tell you guys how much i appreciate taking the ferry over and we the did. ferry back we and did just one evening hunt and one morning <laughs> oh i know it's so insane you guys just took action. me to the best spots yeah. Action, yeah and then we came back here to maui and we've been hunting that spot of yours the local spot that's right and sean killed you killed a really nice buck in there it's heavy heavy nice buck sean, great yeah. genetics we all kind of split up in there and we had close calls and then yeah. and then you end up capitalizing on that buck yeah yeah how'd that go down that uh you kind of worked in on them with a good win and then didn't you kind of were just patient once you got in semi-close, and he worked into you. Isn't that kind of how it happened? Yeah, I, I came into this bowl, and I heard him, you know, screaming on top of the ridge a little bit on this plateau. And when I came into the bowl, I, I saw some does about 40, 50 yards away, you know, and the grass kind of 
moseying along and I I just know that if I try to creep a little bit closer these does are gonna you know bust me and blow out of there so what I did was I just backed out I went all the way around came up and side hill the top of that bowl and uh, saw that buck about 80 to 100 yards away and there was a doe in front of him and he was just rutting this doe and the doe just so happened to hop on this trail that I was on side hilling that bowl and the doe started coming right for me and when the doe got to about 30 yards I ranged this tree where she was knew the buck was I don't know 10 20 feet behind her coming and that doe was probably 10 yards in front of me by the time that buck got to that 30 yard window that I could shoot and when he got to that 30 yard window I could shoot you know it's kind of a quarter into me shot but that doe was going to blow out of there because she was going to walk right right on top of me if I didn't so I drew back good thing I was behind a tree or else I wouldn't have stood a chance of of even drawing back so I drew back behind the tree and then I just leaned outside of the tree and as, as soon as that buck gave me a good opportunity there it was coming and um, they didn't even know what happened. The buck turned around, ran about 40 yards, and he was kind of just standing there. And I was like, what the heck? I, I, I know I smoked him, but he's just standing there. So I, I loaded another arrow, and he stood there for about a minute or so, and thought it was kind of weird. And you know, by that time, I was shaking like a leaf, you know what I mean? All the action happened so quick. And, and uh, I loaded another arrow, and he stepped out, and I, I put another one in him, and he you know toppled over about 20 yards down but the first shot was a great shot it he was he would have ended up expiring but I, you know it's just like robin always says if you can put another one in them you know do it so mm -hmm. until so. i talk brian out of that <laughs> 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 so yeah he's a great buck i was really happy with him uh he had great genetics a lot of mass on him yeah he was a beauty um yeah, gorgeous oh, buck. Oh, beautiful buck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you say, a lot of mass and uh, good length and great tines. Yeah, just a beautiful yeah, buck. Yeah, I was just in, in awe of that buck when you shot him. Well, we we actually – Oh, uh, so so yeah. then I'm down there and, um, you know, I'm just looking at the buck, admiring it. You know, wow, you know, stoked as can be. And all of a sudden I hear an arrow go flying through the air like 50 yards away and whack. And I'm like, what? the heck was that so i dropped down to my knee and i'm like because robin had another buddy hunting with us too and i was like texting robin Where, where's your buddies he's supposed to be way on the other side you know <laughs> and then i guess his buddy wasn't even uh close to where we were and, and all you guys were like that's not me that's not me and janus was the only one that didn't reply so you know couple minutes go by and i hear another arrow go through the air <laughs> <laughs> whack and i'm like what the heck and then this doe comes like running out of the bushes and she's coming right to me and piles up 20 yards below me and and then janus finally responds oh i just shot a doe <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy because if i would have shot that doe like 10 minutes earlier would have spooked your buck <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would have yeah yeah, and then I met up with you guys. I ended up in the same area there. It just kind of... Yeah, you came right down on top of us. Yeah, and so we all ended up together. We were able to celebrate a couple deer, and you guys butchered them, butchered them up, and then yep. you guys sent me over hunting, and then you guys had me 
uh, work the edge of this thick where you guys uh, knew that those axes were bedded and there was a bunch of axes in there. It's just like sometimes like the terrain isn't worth going in after them and you have to learn that lesson the oh, hard yeah. way. Like you, you think you'll hear them calling or you'll see them go in there and you just think, oh, there's a bunch of deer in there. I'm going to go in there. But in that lava rocks, you just make so much noise and it's so thick trying to get through there that you can hardly hunt it. And so what I started doing was I started walking down the trail I could walk down and then I could walk up and look in those thicks. And I looked over the rock wall at one point and there was a good buck like right down below the rock wall at like 20 yards. And he had no idea it was there. It was just bedded. So, and two, like how many times does that little extra effort, like in Sean's story about the ram that he spotted for Janus, like just walking down that little bit, grabbing that next vantage point, walking over that little hill, walking over this little deal. Like I watched you guys, all you guys do that this entire week, that little extra effort. Even today, Janice was like, oh, let's go over on the red dirt. Let's go over on the, you to know. To check in every just, nook and cranny. Yeah, every yeah. nook and cranny yeah. and keep looking. And and that's what I did is I climbed to that rock wall. And Sean showed me the day before we shot a doe off, or I shot a doe off the rock wall that, that you had spotted and would put a good shot on it. And so, like, I, I kind of watched you and learned from it. And so I'd walk up on the rock wall and then peek over, and there was that buck right there. But the wall was like six feet, and these walls are wild. They're built all with the lava rock, and they were stacked by. Uh, we were doing a history lesson today, Rob of the King, right? Uh, say oh, it for me. Well, it, it I don't. It know. could have been any cowboy, but I like the King story yeah. way better. <laughs> the, the King ordered all these walls to be built. No, I mean they could go back to cowboy days. They could go back to you know old, old Hawaiian days. Who knows what these walls are? I, I don't know. I'm not yeah. an archaeologist or anything. <laughs> I know. And, and yeah, I mean we. we Somebody built those walls by hand. Oh, my gosh. They are amazing walls, and they're ancient, and they're historic, and... They're amazing. Still so they're, standing. Yes, Still stacked standing. lava rock that's six feet tall in places that goes for miles. Like, I mean, so much labor to put those things together and stack that rock. It's just amazing to me. But this buck's right on the other side of about a six-foot wall. And I can't get my bow over the top to shoot this buck, even though he's down there broadside, perfect shot, 20 yards, a shot you've been dreaming about. And so finally, I'm trying to make a plan, and I go up above, and then I, I try to like try to get climbed up on the wall and draw back and slip my arrow over the top and get over. And about that time, that buck was having no part of it, and he was out of there. You know, <laughs> He stepped towards me a little bit and then gone. I didn't get a shot, but it was a close call. That's a really cool spot, and it's, it's close to you here, and so yeah. you hunt it quite a bit. You I, killed I, a really nice to. buck in there two weeks ago. That's the one I rattled in, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was... Yeah. I, I like rattling. I, I it's a rush, and yeah, I may not shoot the biggest buck in the group, but I, I'm not after the biggest buck every time. I, I, I enjoy shooting a nice buck here and there, but um, rattling one in is definitely a rush. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the experience. Well, and you guys uh, rattling them in is just in the last couple, two, three, four years, right? The la- last two years, I've only I've. Yeah, I just started rattling last year, and I rattled in three. And started to get, um, you know, some positive response to it and rattle in bucks. And so something that you guys are practicing now in the rut that you got to have your rattling antlers with yeah, you everywhere you go because you never know. These things disappear in the thick, and you may not have a play. But if you can rattle those horns and comes out, come out. And me and James, we had that scenario today where we had a buck rubbing in the trees, and we were, I mean, 30 yards away from him, and we could see the tree moving, and I could even see his spots in there 
but just couldn't get him to come out, you know, so we could get a look at him, you know, see if he was a shooter or maybe get a shot on him. But, yeah, those those rattling antlers, yeah, you guys have a, learned a lot about those things and calling those axis deer in, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. My Very. biggest thing is I need to have eyes on them when I'm rattling. Okay. I need to see how they react to the, rattle, the mm-hmm. rattle, and if they're if they're moving away, stop. But sometimes you get their attention – they lose your attention. You rattle again. You can get them to come in. Mm-hmm. But it's usually the does that come in first or the spikes that are really curious. Okay. And the bucks follow. Well, and we, we've we all, like, I, you just learn so much from your experiences. If you just pay attention to it, like, and, um, you know, you guys are really good about it, but it's like every scenario can be learned from, whether it's calling, whether it's shooting, whether it's stalking. And we talk about hindsight's twenty twenty, but it really is learning from those and then it's believing it too, right? Yeah. Like you learn these hard lessons and you know better, and then all of a sudden you'll break the rules for a buck, right? You'll you'll go in with a shifty wind or you'll try to force a shot, and you, like it's just you got to reiterate these these hard rules, and you go, dang it, I'm not gonna do that again. I messed that up like <laughs> yeah, five times now. You're, you're still <laughs> gonna do it again. You're still gonna do it a sixth time, but at least you minimize it a little bit. You know, yeah. you start to learn your yeah. lesson and start to make those moves better. But bow hunting's just such a a tough endeavor and tough challenge that you just keep evolving and keep learning and try to store that knowledge in your head. So the next time you get a chance, you make the right move. Yeah. You get comfortable, you know, you get comfortable actually bow hunting, mm-hmm. yep. you know, yep. that, that's, it, that's what it is. You know, you're not nervous. You're not excited. You know, you're actually out there comfortable, like enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. isn't that it? Yeah, uh, comfortable in your surroundings yep. and confident in your moves, yep. you know, where you, you you just make moves and enjoy the hunt, but you yep. like like you say it it comes back to the experience which creates your instincts yep. and your instincts tell you where to work and like the still hunting over here is amazing. So just still hunting, like you're into deer, these are deer spots, like it's not just every time is not this spot and stock where you see the animal 500 yards and you make this strategic methodical play on it. Like sometimes it is that way when you catch them in the open, but a lot of times it's like still hunting through these little tiny openings and, um, still hunting your way through country and trying not to blow those deer up. You're trying to see them before they see you. And, um, that still hunting game is is so important over here. Yeah, and Janus, you do a really good job. You move really so well. All you guys do. It's amazing. But like, um, Sean's pretty slow. aggressive, which creates opportunities as well. You're always looking to cut them off, cover country, find the buck, which works really well. You kill a bunch of really good axes. Janus is more of the slow approach, but you know that can bite you too, where yeah. you never make it to the good spot yeah. because you're stuck still hunting through a spot that isn't you know less than than perfect so like it's a mix of everything yeah, in this fine know line when to move but fast, it, when yeah to go slow yeah action comes quick over here yeah. real quick uh, like you said you know we could be still hunting through this this area and 20 yards away you, you pick a doe in the grass and you're like oh and you just you know if you're moving slow like janus well you got a good chance of not bumping that doe mm-hmm um so and who knows what's with that doe mm-hmm. so yeah it's definitely takes a, a lot of practice to try and perfect still hunting over here don't it's hit a, the cords mix, taylor you know? shut us down <laughs> 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 my daughter's just going to bed and stepping over all the cords hey, uh, taylor yeah you hit the it, record button right 
I, yeah, I did. <laughs> hit I've been hearing some horror stories on some podcasts lately. It's almost dead. My eyes melted, so uh, there's no clanking this time. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, you know, you always want to hit the record. You, uh, making mistakes. Guy hates to make those mistakes, huh? All right, guys, that's a wrap. Um, like I say, it's such a fun podcast. So we went long on this a couple hours. So this is a two-parter. Uh, we definitely get loose in the second episode um, or, or the, the end of this podcast. But like I say, these are just such great guys and, and uh, so fun to, to just sit down and then record the, the conversations that we'd be having anyways, the fun we'd be having anyways. And to be able to put lightning in a bottle and, and get these guys in, in true form is, is really fun. Um, like I say, my stomach hurt from laughing so hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, just great guys, great hunters and, uh, a great podcast in my mind, the funnest one I have ever laid down. So, uh, can't wait to release, uh, episode two to you guys. I'll start working away. Hopefully I can get these released right around the same time. So you don't have to wait for it, but, uh, yeah, just really fun. Um, been recording some good podcasts, recorded, uh, another good one this morning. I've got things lined up, uh, ready for me to take off as I've got a, a super busy August and September. I'm so excited for these hunts um yeah a couple last minute tips too uh, a couple things i thought about that i jotted down um you know is to check your release it's something that us guys don't think about very often but if those releases get sticky um you don't shoot as accurate in fact you your shooting goes way downhill and it's a, a tough problem to address it uh if if your release gets sticky it's just in milliseconds where it hangs on uh, before it, it releases, you know, from your string loop or it just catches a little bit and, and your accuracy goes so far downhill. So, um, you know, I was having my, my, I could tell my trigger was sticking a little bit or is a little sticky. So I took my release apart, cleaned everything. Always make sure you take them apart in a plastic bag so you don't lose the spring. Uh, so it doesn't shoot across the room and you're trying to look under the couch for it. But, uh, and, and also some silicone, um, spray, you know, inside to kind of lubricate things and keep them smooth. Um, it plays such a huge role in accuracy. It's amazing. And uh, I've had this happen before on seasons, and I've had it happen with thumbs, with triggers, you know, any of these releases can start to catch, and especially with the dust and debris that we pick up. And it's also important middle of the season to check that release, but just make sure that thing is super smooth because it, it, it makes a huge difference. Um, my buddy Dan one time, also check your string loop. My buddy Dan, and I, I've had this happen to me as well, but if your string loop um, I like to tie serving top and bottom of my arrow so my string loop doesn't pinch my arrow right there. And it's also so my string loop doesn't get too tight and small. Too tight and small, and it can kind of create some friction around your release. Um, and it can kind of hang on and create that delay. So even though your release is smooth and crisp, that string loop is kind of pinching in your release. And, and then there's kind of a delay. And I remember Dan showed up on a backcountry mule deer hunt and he could hardly hit the target, not because of his shooting, because his string loop was gripping around that thing. Now we were able to address it. We were able to, to get a new string loop tied in, get him recited in. I think he killed a buck that year. Um, but, but just one of those last minute checks I want you guys to look over think about uh that isn't mentioned very often is those releases so important to accuracy so i took mine apart got them all clean lubricated up super smooth and, and uh 
tell you the truth, I mean, it makes a big difference on your accuracy. So just make sure you make that check before season. Also make sure to tighten all those Allen heads down around your bow. I go through my entire bow, make sure everything's tightened down. And and I I do usually have an Allen head with me, but again, you guys know I'm such a minimalist. A lot of times it's in my truck. So if something comes loose, I'm all the way back at the truck to get my bow set. So anyways, just a couple last-minute things for you guys to think about. Uh, again, our sponsor for today's show is Yeti Coolers. I'm using them nonstop. Um, I am a high-end cooler guy. I absolutely love the extra insulation for keeping my food cold, keeping my meat good when I'm in the field till I can get home until I can butcher it. I love that it's a bear-proof container, but just um, absolutely the best coolers made. So thanks to Yeti Coolers for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, over at Eastman's, just getting excited about these hunts. I'm going to capture a couple on film, or at least try to. Uh, Got my cameraman lined up. um, Got some good tags in my pocket. I just can't wait for this hunting season. Boy, am I going to enjoy this to the fullest. So it all... It all kicks off for me next Tuesday, and I know I get to start Christmas a little bit early, um, but I I know it's going to be close for you guys too, as most of you guys are bow hunters and have some opportunities coming your way either in August or September, so keep working hard. Right now is the time to improve. And uh, with that, um, that's part one. I'll release part two. Like I say, part two gets a little loose, but it's a really fun podcast. That's where we really get ribbing each other, too. Um, Giving each other a hard time here and there. Um, I don't think any feelings were hurt. It was all in good fun and just for laughs. But uh, uh, I'm even the butt of it for some of it, which rightfully so. I make mistakes, too. But uh, just a a really fun, good podcast and really good guys. Um, I just really enjoy hanging out and spending time with these three buddies of mine from Hawaii, whether we're, we're hunting or gosh, I mean, they have barbecues when I show up, they, they just, they work so hard to make sure that me and my family have a quality experience when we go out there. And, and, um, I, I just, I can't express how much I appreciate it. It's so nice for them to take off time from work, to, to spend extra money, to, to be able to get to these different places like Lanai and these different islands. And, and, um, yeah, I just can't thank them enough. They're just great friends and, and, I just want to return the favor however I can. And so they're going to, you know, be coming on this caribou hunt. They're coming out to Montana this year. I'm really looking forward to doing some more hunts with these guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, look for part two and, uh, check in with you here soon.